Well, hey, my church fam, wherever you're watching or listening throughout the week around the world, it's such an honor and a privilege to get to spend this time with you. If I haven't had the opportunity yet to meet you, my name is Tyler West. I'm the founder and lead pastor of the Vine Church here in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Now, if you regularly gather with us, either online, we call you our eFam or our extended family, or in the house at the downtown YMCA on Sundays, you can see we're in a little bit different location this Sunday. More on that in just a second, but I do want to say just because we're in a different location don't mean we ain't having church. If you know, you know. We're still having church today. So I just want to invite you, though, also to gather with us physically again at the downtown YMCA. We're going to meet in the teen center there on Thursday, December 23rd, our Christmas Eve Eve service. And what we're going to have there is we're going to be singing Christmas carols. We're going to have some candlelight carols. Alex Hamby, our teaching pastor of Hope Rising Ministries, is going to be bringing the preach. Santa Claus is going to be making an appearance. We have some awesome stuff for kids to be there. So make plans to be there Thursday, December 23rd at 7 p.m., the downtown YMCA. You're going to see us all there lifting Jesus' name high and celebrating the real reason for the season, and that is that our hope is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I would be remiss if I didn't celebrate what has happened over this past week, because last Sunday we had our Heart for the House sewing day. Most folks call that the Christmas offering, and what we were doing is we take this entire offering together. We ask what Jesus would have us give, and we support two ministries. So the two local ministries we are supporting this year is Believe Outreach Ministries that literally goes and are the hand and feet of Jesus, meeting those who don't have a place or a shelter, give them hygiene, food, but more importantly, they're the hands and feet of Jesus and share the hope and love of Jesus Christ and present the gospel for folks to respond, what they are really looking for. So we got to support them, but also the Hope Center for Children. And what they do is they help foster families and foster children uh, as they have aged out. So it's an incredible thing. It's an awesome thing. We get to support so many ministries. God is faithful and has blessed us with that. But I just want to celebrate here at the Vine Church that we saw over $15,000 that we're going to be able to sow into those ministries. And that's just incredible, guys. That's an amazing thing. Every penny that was given goes out to that. So I do want to say I've got one caveat. This Sunday, there's still time to give. We're going to make sure we get that offering to them before Christmas, but we know that some folks might have missed the opportunity to do that. So you can give to that today. Go to thevine.tv slash give, or you can give in our Vine Church app. Go to thevine.tv slash app. It'll ask for your phone number. It'll shoot you a text message for that, and then it'll give you the link to download that. And you can give to the Heart for the House Sewing day, you'll see that option there to support these ministries that are the hands and feet of Jesus. So make sure that you take time to do that today. So we're not in our normal location. As you can tell, we are not in our normal location today. We are actually gathering around the table at a sower's house, leaning in and taking a pause in this crazy chaotic season to just grow deeper roots together and grow deeper roots in Christ as we celebrate communion. And that's what I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes today is this idea of gathering around the table. Because when I think of Christmas, I think about gathering around the table. Think about all the crazy awesome things that happen around the table. Like you have the, those dinner conversations. Some of the most important conversations, the most life-changing decisions at times are made around the table. You know, right now we, we, we have this open thing where we, we, we spend a lot of time on our phones or we spend a lot of time in front of the TV eating, but there's just something when I look back on my life, it wasn't where I was sitting in front of the TV with family that made the difference. It's literally where we gathered around the table. 
Uh, I was probably cracking jokes or getting in trouble, but more importantly, we just, we just talked to each other. We just literally leaned in and talked to each other. See, that's what Christmas is all about. See, I get to be the crazy uncle in my family. You know, you got a crazy aunt or uncle somewhere in your family. You got a cousin that's crazy. You got the one that's estranged that 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 maybe caused some drama last year that may not be here this year. You got the one that didn't cause drama last year that that is finally reconciled. But then also around the table, there's so many things that happen. There's so much family tradition. There's so many great dishes that are shared. So many great memories that are shared. And so today, that's what I want to talk to you about. So if you've got your Bible today, I want you to get to this story about gathering around the table. And you can find it in the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 9 is what I want to share with us today. Then we're going to talk a little bit about communion. And then we're going to go and we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus throughout the rest of the week and gather back together at the YMCA on Thursday, December 23rd for our Christmas Eve Eve service. So if you've got your Bible today, go ahead, get to 2 Samuel 9. If you don't have a Bible... You, you can go look at it on our app. There's a place where you can take notes, thevine.tv slash app. Make sure you do that today. You can see that. It's awesome. But get in your Bible in the Old Testament. I'm just going to read this, 2 Samuel 9. We're going to go through all of it. It's only a few verses, I promise you. It's not going to be too crazy. But we're going to read this story about this guy named Mephibosheth. Yes, I said that correctly somehow. Mephibosheth. Say that with me. Mephibosheth. I know. Great thing. Great word. Awesome name in the Bible. Don't recommend you doing that because you got to buy almost all the vowels for your kid to be able to spell that correctly on the test. If you know, you know. So here we go. David and Mephibosheth. And it says this in verse 1. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. So where David's at is David's been in this crazy situation. He has been anointed king of Israel, and the current king of Israel, King Saul, is upset, angry, and mad at him for it. And so once he finds out David has been anointed king of Israel, Saul does everything he does to tr he can to try to kill David. But David has this friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan, true friend, there in all circumstances. He supports David. As a matter of fact, it says Jonathan and David's heart were tied together in friendship. Like they were so much best friends. And so what ends up happening is Jonathan and Saul are killed. David comes back. He is the king of Israel. And now he's at the table. And the first thing he does is he doesn't ask, hey, where is everybody at so I can kill them? His reaction is just a little bit different. He doesn't go Game of Thrones on him. He actually goes and points to the throne that is Jesus. More on that in second. Here we go. Here we go. Verse two. Now there was a servant of Saul's household, household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king. He answered the king. There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makar, Samamalel, and Lo-Dabar. Circle that in your Bible. We're going to come back to that. Circle that, highlight that, Lo-Dabar. He's in Lo-Dabar. So King David had him brought from Lo-Dabar, from the house of Makar, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat, look at this, at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? 
Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and he said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him. Bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat, look at here, at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Talk about a Christmas list. Look at that Christmas shopping list. Praise God, that is not my list. Because, my goodness, they, mm, mm, they ain't enough gift cards. You know, you know. Verse 11, Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's households were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. You see, that's really the Christmas story. It's really the Christmas story. Now, now you say, where are you going with this? How can this be the Christmas story? But really, that, the Christmas story is about God preparing a table for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. You see, Mephibosheth was in this place called Lodabar. I told you to circle that and go back to that. Lodabar, actually, if you were to look at what Lodabar is, Lodabar literally means the place of no pasture. In other words, the place that is deserted. It, it has no pasture. In other words, no peace. You hear about a shepherd. He always brings his sheep to pasture. David goes, brings Mephibosheth to his table. He takes him from the place of no pasture, brings him to the place, the table, where he can experience pasture, where he can literally be nourished and have peace. That's the Christmas story, church. That's what Christmas is all about. See, Mephibosheth was lame. And see, the cool thing about Mephibosheth being lame is when he wore up to the table, instead of him being bowing down to everyone, instead of him not being at eye level with everyone, when he sat at the table, his position hid his condition. In other words, he was in this space and place where his condition of brokenness was no longer defining him. Instead, the place and the position at the table where he sat is the thing that defined him because the king brought him from a place of no pasture, a place of no helplessness, a place where there was no way for him to be sustained or nourished and brought him and sat him at a table at a place he didn't prepare for himself yet was prepared for him. Mephibosheth now, because of his position that the king placed him in, was no longer defined by the condition that he was lame. Instead, all of a sudden, he had a place, he had a space, and he had somewhere where he belonged. Instead of being outcast, now he was brought in. Church, that's the Christmas story because that is what Jesus did for us. That is who Jesus is. He came for us. He came and brought us from a place of no pasture, no sustenance, no peace, a place that is full of chaos, a place that is beat down, a place where we think our condition, whether it's brokenness, loneliness, hopelessness, whether it's rejection, he brought us from that place and placed us in a space at the table that we didn't prepare for ourselves. Yet he came and prepared for us. That's the Christmas story. See, it wasn't the work of Mephibosheth 
that saved him. It wasn't him trying to walk. As a matter of fact, Mephibosheth was born able to walk, but instead when he was fleeing when Saul is killed, his, le- his, his hips are broken. He is dropped and his hips are broken and he is lame from that moment on. No more did he walk. So he was born able to walk and then he was no longer able to walk. He needed something outside of him to help take control of his life. He needed something outside of him to help sustain him. And that's what sin does for us, church. It breaks our legs. It puts us in a place of hopelessness. It casts us so far out. It puts us in a place of no pasture. And no matter how hard we fight, no matter how hard we crawl, no matter how hard we try to get there, we can't possibly save ourselves until the king comes. See, Jesus, Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. As a matter of fact, as Jesus goes to the cross, they, they, they try to mock Jesus and it says, Jesus Here is Jesus, king of the Jews. See, he wasn't the king of the Jews, and they were excited that they had murdered him, and they were mocking him for it. But what they missed out is because the king had come, lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, died the death we deserve, paying the penalty for our sins, on the cross, loving us enough not to stay that he rose again on the third day so that we could have life, so that we could literally have a place at the table. We don't have to wait for eternity to experience it. We get to experience it now. He took that tragedy and turned it into triumph. Right now in this season, there are many, many around us that are in a place of low debar. So much so it may even be our own family members that think they don't have a space and a place at our table. And church, I just want to encourage you today. Jesus made a place for each and every one of us. There's a place for each and every one of our family members at our table. And why is that? Only in the person and work of Jesus. It doesn't matter what they've said, what they've done. There's always a space and a place because he made a space and a place for us. You see, the crazy thing is Jesus came to prepare that place at the table for us. Yet when he came in the world, as we read in Luke's account, there was no space or place for him in this world. See, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, he, he still loved us. He still made a space and a place. So as you gather around the table over this holiday season, as you gather around with friends and family, and as we gather as a Vine fam today, I just want to remind us of who really gives us our place and space at the table. It's so much better. Like maybe when you grew up, you were at the kids' table and you got promoted to the adult table, and then you realize that it was always about some conversation or some joke you never really got. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm a proud member of the kids' table, still there. Now, the chairs are a little lower, but it's all right. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not a promotion to the table. It's actually a transformation that gives us our rightful place where we were born to be. And it's only because Jesus has come that we can be in that place. So right now, maybe you're in a place of low to bar. Maybe you're in a place where it just feels hopeless. Maybe you're in a place that just feels helpless. And I just want to tell you, Jesus is inviting you to the table. A table that you won't be rejected in. A table that, that you won't be condemned in. A table and a space and a place that was prepared for you long before the foundations of the earth. You see, the thing is, now now that you know that, you got to do something with it. Just because a place and a space was prepared for you at the table, you are the one that has to engage in the opportunity to get there. And here's what the engagement is, literally. Faith, faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Literally, receiving the free gift of salvation. He came, he lived, 
died, and rose again for us to have. You got to do something with it because when you receive that, you have a place and a space at the table. And this is why I want to tell you this is important. It's something I shared at my grandmother's funeral just a few weeks ago when it comes to this place and a space at the table. See, many of us right now, when I talk about the table, you're thinking about all those that gathered around your table. And, and in your mind right now, you're thinking of those loved ones who have gone before you. And you think of the, the empty space and the empty place at the table where their presence is no longer. And you see what Jesus reminded me of in this season of grief at times, in this holiday season, uh, without going into a lot of my story, I've experienced a lot of loss around the holidays, but it's what Jesus has used to allow me to connect with others and remind me that I'm never in it alone. So as you look at those empty chairs at your table right now where the presence of those loved ones are no longer with you, as a Christian, I want to remind you, we don't mourn as others mourn. Our grief has turned in joy. And this is how Jesus has turned my grief into joy as I look at those empty chairs around my table right now. You see, as the tears come down and I see those empty tables, those empty chairs at my table, I'm reminded, even though I miss their presence, those that have gone before me that are in Christ, that received this free gift of salvation that he came, lived, died, and rose again to give us, they're sitting at a better table. They're sitting at the table, the table he prepared for us, the table, because they've received this free gift of salvation. They know that the only way that we have hope is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. They are there now in a better table in his presence, in the presence of Christ. They are sitting there right now, and they are looking at an empty chair too. And you know what that chair says? You know what's happening on that chair? You know whose name is on that empty chair they're looking at? My name. My name. They're looking at an empty chair with my name in it, and they aren't mourning that I'm not there yet. They are cheering me on, running the race that Christ has set out before me until my work here is done. And when my work here is done, and he has called me home, I'll sit in that chair in their presence again, in the presence of Jesus. And so as I look at my empty chair, and I think that I'm mourning, it turns to joy really quick, because the chair at my table ain't the best chair to sit in. The chair that I get to sit in is at the better table in the presence of Jesus, because he came, lived, died, and rose again for me, and I know that he is where my hope lies. So if that is you today, I want you to rejoice in him. As we walk through these seasons of grief, as we walk through these moments, know that just because we're walking through a season, it doesn't mean that we're in low to bar. Jesus has rescued us from the place of no pasture, and he has brought us and made a seat and a place and a space at his table. And we get to do it for eternity with him. Read the book of Revelation. We know how the story ends. Revelation 19 reminds us, blessed is the one who is invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so today, I hope that you are encouraged. I hope today that you are reminded that you don't have to live in a place that is low to bar. You don't have to live in a place that is no pasture. You don't have to live in a place of hopelessness, helplessness, chaos, no peace, and no sustaining, no sustainability, something that you can't do. And no matter how hard you fight to get out of low to bar, it's going to take a king rescuing you from it to put you in your proper place at the table. And that king is Jesus Christ. And so today, maybe you're realizing for the first time that you were in a space in a place of low to bar. And I just want to remind you, John 3, 16 and 17 reminds us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17 reminds us, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. Jesus didn't come to put you in the worst place. Jesus didn't come to put you down. Jesus came to set you free. And he set me free. He came for all of us to be set free from the place of low debar. So if that's you today, I want to tell you, we pray out loud for the benefit of those coming to the faith for the first time as a family. We pray as a family. We operate as a family here at the Vine Church. It's not the words of this prayer that's going to save you. It's the faith of this prayer. That Jesus, the person and work of Jesus, Jesus is who he says he is. He came and live the perfect sinless life we couldn't live. See, we are born into sin. We are born broken legs. We are born lame. And no matter what we do, we can't, we, we can't save ourselves. We can't earn our way to anything. We, we literally are dependent upon something rescuing us. And because of that, many of us will turn to the things of this world to rescue us. Maybe, maybe it's a television. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a, a number in a bank account. And none of those things satisfy because we realize we're still broken and lame. And so Jesus came to set us free from that. He came, lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't live. So he made us righteous in that. In other words, we, we're, we're all going to sin today when I get off of this video. All of us are going to sin in somehow, way, shape, or form. It's called gluttony and it's called Christmas tree cakes. You know it's going to happen. So wherever you are, we all are. But Jesus, Jesus came and lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't. But you see, he also paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, dying for us, died for us, so that we could have life. And then he rose again on the third day so that we can be who he fully created us to be, so that we can be set free from sin, so that we can literally be who we were created to be now. We can bring heaven to earth now through him. Like, we literally get to do that. And so that's what the words of this prayer is going to be. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, please repeat these words out loud as we do it as a family, out loud after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if that's you, if you're watching online throughout the week, wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to respond. On the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Would you raise your hand? Don't worry about who's watching. Would you raise your hand? The Lord sees you. The angels are celebrating for you, raising your hand. Like, would you raise your hand? Would you let us know? Would you leave a comment? Would you click the hand if there's a hand that's raised right there? Would you click it that said, I've committed my life to Christ. I've surrendered my life to Christ. Would you Would you just shoot us an email at prayer at thevine.tv? We want to celebrate with you this decision. Because each and every one of us that have made it know that we were in a place of low to bar until Jesus came and rescued us and set us in the right space and place, the proper place, our position at the table that only he could place us in. For the rest of us, I just want to take a moment. We are taking communion today as a church family. And why this is important is it happens where? Around the table. You see, communion celebrates the, the, the Last Supper, or as we know it, maybe the Lord's Supper. And before Jesus goes to the cross to die for our sins, he has this moment with the disciples. He goes into the upper room, and he is, he, he is celebrating the Passover, separ, uh, Passover celebration, excuse me, Passover Seder, if you will. And he is there. And he is reminding them that he is the new Genesis, as we talked about. There's a new covenant. He has come so that all of us 
can be God's people. All of us can be in God's family. All of us can be received. All of us can be accepted. And as he goes, he's telling the disciples what this means for each and every one of them. So wherever you are, if you've got a Bible and you want to get there, it's Matthew 26. And what ends up happening, we're going to start in verse uh, Matthew 26, verse 26. He said, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so that's what we are signifying, and that's what we are remembering. That's what we are celebrating as we gather around the table and we take communion today. It's how we are at one with Christ, and we are in reconciliation with God through Christ. And so today, wherever you are, maybe... Maybe you're like me and you struggle with these things from time to time. So wherever you are right now, take communion. Take communion with us. Jesus said, take this bread. It is my body. Take it and eat. He said, this, this cup is my blood. It's poured out for each and every one of us for the forgiveness of our sins. This points to Jesus making a space and a place for us at the table. This points to us being a part of the family of God. This points to us not just celebrating Christ's arrival, looking forward with anticipation to his coming again. Some of you may have taken communion for the first time and really quickly, in a nutshell, as Jesus was pointing to this, what Jesus reminds us is he is the bread of life and he is the true vine. And so what this points to is how without him we are literally nothing. As we say in John 15, 5, as Jesus says, without him we are nothing. But with him we will bear fruit. And with him we will be in right relationship, in connection, in reconciliation, in the family of God. You see in the Old Testament, the, the cup of wine that was there is, is, is the wine represented God's wrath. You see, Jesus took God's full wrath for our sins, for each and every one of us. He took that. That's what this, this cup is representing. And this, this bread reminds of how God sustained the nation of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness, as he brought manna down from heaven. And so how God is our sustainer, but also how Jesus has, has, has accepted God's wrath for us. So wherever you are right now, I just want to say thank you for taking communion with us. I'd love to talk with you so much more about what communion is, but I know that it's such an honor and a privilege to spend this time with you today. I hope that you have an amazing week. I can't wait to see each and every one of you Thursday, December 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve at 7 p.m. at the downtown YMCA. And I hope you have a very Merry Christmas if I don't see you before then. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.